don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Welcome back to the dark side. I'm your host, Brianna. And I'm Dyson. And this is episode 36 of Dark Adaptation. Oh, yeah. Episode 36. Um, episode 2 in terms of uh, spooky season month. Spooky season <laughs> month. <laughs> Last week we did our spooky stories. Spooky stories with the squad. Mm-hmm. That, that was, was fun. That was so much fun. Tons of spooky stories. Um, I listened back because Dyson, you had stayed up so late editing that and putting in all of the like great sound effects and stuff, but it turned out so well. You did an amazing job. Thank you. I loved it. And I love our, our spooky season intro, mm-hmm. the, all of the like classic quotes, the spooky sounds, ghosts, heartbeats, owls, <laughs> wolves, wolves. Crunching leaves. That's Wh- the spookiest witches. one. Wait, what? Witches. <laughs> it's good. I love it. There's you... a chicken in there. There isn't a chicken. Well, now you're gonna have to play it back and listen. And see. Oh, 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 spooky chicken. Spooky chicken. This week, although it was so fun to have like everyone part. That's part of the show. Sit down, tell some spooky stories. Um. Oh, actually, that reminds me. Um. You know how. Steph told a story called The Eerie Attic, mm-hmm. and the person in the story had a pet budgie named Dexter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my mom had um, budgies. And I was like, wait, I think they were budgies. I don't know. Mom, if you're listening. Yeah. And then she obviously was listening because she just randomly texted me and was like, they were budgies. And their names were Henry and Simon. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wasn't sure if they were like parakeets or something. I don't know. And then I Googled it because I was like, I want to know what color budgies are because ours were like blue and green. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, what kind of budgies are there? And then I just went down a rabbit hole of budgies and found out that it is a parakeet. Parakeet is just like the species. And a budgie is a type of parakeet. Oh, okay. So I was like, yeah, I was right, but I was just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Well, obviously not if you knew they were parakeets. <laughs> I did it until I Googled it. Yeah. No, I mean like your first guess. I was like, they're budgies or they were parakeets. I don't know. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like being like, I don't know. It's a cat or a feline. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Um, This <coughs> week, though, like I was saying, it was nice to have like the whole squad together, tell spooky stories. Mm-hmm. But this week we are... Obviously, still in the spirit of Halloween. Mm-hmm. So it's a true crime case, and it is known as the trick-or-treat murder. Ooh. So are you ready for me to tell you all about it? I'm very ready for a, for a spooky treat. Okay, here's your spooky treat. It's Halloween night in 1957. Betty and Peter Fabiano had turned out the lights in their home in Sun Valley, California. They had just gotten comfy in bed when they heard the doorbell ring. It was past 11 p.m. and they hadn't had trick-or-treaters in hours. So they probably looked at each other, debating who would be the one to go and answer the door when the doorbell rang again. 
Betty watched as Peter got out of bed and headed down the stairs. She heard him answer the door, saying, Yes, isn't it kind of late for this sort of thing? She couldn't make out the response of the person at the door. She just heard a strange voice that sort of sounded like a woman impersonating a man. Then suddenly she heard a pop, then a thump, then silence. As she hurried downstairs to see what was happening, she heard a car outside speed off into the night. The screeching tires turned into the screech of her own terrified screams as she looked down at Peter, who was sprawled out on the floor, unconscious, with blood pouring out of his chest. Oh my god. That wasn't a trick or a treat, that was just murder. Certainly wasn't a treat. You could call it like a really terrible trick. Murder, yeah, right. the worst trick ever. Yeah, just a shit trick. Awful. He's like, just oh, the whole scene of that of just like getting all cozy in bed. You're like, okay, that was so nice seeing all the kids in their costumes. So cute. Candy, blah, blah, blah. And then that's how your night ends. Yeah. Halloween is supposed to be spooky, but not like that. Yeah, you're the... You're the moral equivalent of a shitty jump scare. No call for it, really. Not even a monster at the end of it. It's like one of those fake outs, too. Like, you're the disappointment of disappointments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the act of being murdered. Yeah. you. Hold your on. bullshit move was like when there's tension building <laughs> and then a flock of birds flies, but everyone in the movie is lazy, so they just crank that volume up to 11. <sighs> Or like in the descent when the bats come out of the cave. Oh my and you're god. Like, oh god. <laughs> or nope. But yes, I agree with you. Totally uncalled for. The worst scare ever. So let's start this by talking a little bit about Peter and Betty Fabiano. Kind of get to know them. Okay. So at the time that this takes place, uh, which is 1957. Betty Fabiano was 39 years old and Peter was 35 years old. So Peter was a Marine who had served in World War II. And when he met Betty, it was the late 40s and he was working as a truck driver. So they dated for a while. Obviously, things worked out. They lived together and then they lived in King Kingston, New York. And by 1955, they got married. Mm. And this was actually Betty's second marriage. And she had two teenage children from her first marriage. She had a son named Richard and a daughter named Judy. In 1956, so a year after they got married, they all moved to a nice house on Community Street in Sun Valley, which is uh, right outside of L.A. in California. Oh, okay. So Richard wasn't home um for very long like he didn't live at that house in sun valley because he joined the navy but judy lived in the home with her mother and stepfather so peter after like they moved to sun valley got settled in peter opened up a couple of beauty shops in the san fernando valley which is another like valley in la mm -hmm. <laughs> like la is huge 
And he operated both of them while also working as a hairdresser. And the salons were really successful and the little family lived a comfortable life. And something really cute is that Peter even did Betty's hair. So his wife's hair. <laughs> and he's a, clearly a very versatile man. He's like a jack of all trades. Yeah. He's like, I'm a Marine. I'm a truck driver. And I also work in and own two beauty salons. <laughs> He's like, Industrious. I can do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, do it all. <clears throat> so, like uh, many marriages, the Fabianos had recently hit a rough patch and they agreed to just take a little break and live apart for a while. Mm-hmm. And then during this brief separation, Betty stayed with her friend, a 40 year old woman named Joan Rabel. And the two grew really close during this time. Betty stayed with Joan because Joan used to work at one of Peter's salons. And while she worked there, she had kind of grown close to the Fabianos for a bit. So they were not like the best of friends, but they were like well acquainted. Mm -hmm. So Betty was like, yo, Joan, let me come stay with you. And Joan was like, for sure. Let's do this, Rumi. So the whole time, (laughs) the whole time that using slang like that. (laughs) Rumi, 1950s. Hello, bestie. Best. Okay, bestie. I don't know about that. Rumi, why not? (laughs) So the whole time that uh, Betty was staying with Joan, Betty was talking with Peter and the two were slowly reconciling because it wasn't like supposed to be a permanent separation. They weren't like getting divorced. It was just like a little rough patch where it was like, I fucking need a break. I'm sick of your face for a little while. Not permanently, not very long. Just just a little while. Just, just Just don't want you living with me right now. So they were always talking. They were trying to reconcile. Um, And it... This worked, this having this brief separation because Betty moved back in with Peter pretty quickly. She wasn't staying with Joan like long term. It wasn't a really long time that they were bestie roomies. In historical terms, they were good friends, but in historical terms, they weren't best of friends. (laughs) (laughs) You're making fun of me. (laughs) No, I'm making fun of how we always called lesbians best friends. Well, you're onto something. Oh. So yeah, Peter's like, cool, Betty, let's do this. You can move back in. But on one condition, Peter didn't want Betty to see Joan anymore or to bring her to the house or to talk to her or about her ever again. He didn't want to hear anything about Joan. He did not want to see her face ever again. Uh So it's like pretty unclear as to why he hated her so much. But uh, Betty did agree. Mm-hmm. And so the two were, you know, back living together, working on their marriage when that dreadful Halloween night happened that I talked about at the intro of this episode, where Betty had hurried downstairs after hearing a pop and a thump to see what was happening with Peter. So okay. she goes down there, she finds him unconscious, sprawled out on the floor, and there's blood just pouring out of his chest. Oh, no. So the commotion got Judy's attention. Remember, Judy is the daughter. Mm-hmm. who ran downstairs and saw this horrific scene. So she immediately ran outside to the neighbor's house. Uh, Bud Alper lived two doors down and was a member of the Los Angeles Police Department. Specifically, he was assigned to the Valley Division. So Judy is like banging on the door. Um, it's late now. It's like 11. I believe this was between 11 and 11.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so like she's just banging on the door until Bud answered. And she explains, like, the condition that her stepfather is in. And Mm -hmm. Bud contacted the station 
and had several officers dispatched. So they arrived at the scene within minutes. And Peter was transported transported to Sun Valley Receiving Hospital, but he sadly died on the way. Oh. He was he just had massive bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't make it. And the cause of death was determined to be a thirty-eight caliber bullet that was lodged uh, right in his heart. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Like, uh, whoever the, that evil trick-or-treater was, was definitely a good shot. Yeah. Um, so the police, you know, they're there. They're doing their investigation. They spoke with some neighbors and anyone who was in the vicinity of the crime scene just to see, you know, okay, did you see, hear anything? And there was this 15-year-old boy that saw a car speed out of the neighborhood around the time that the shooting happened. So this correlates to when Betty said she was running down the stairs to go uh, see what happened to Peter. Mm-hmm. And she could hear, like, the screeching tires, like, peeling away. But the the kid just, like, he's 15. He just sees, like, all oh, that's weird. Like, it's this quiet neighborhood and this car's just peeling out. Yeah. But he didn't really get a description of who was in the car. Um nothing even about the car just saying like yeah i saw a weird car yeah he just he saw he he hears some gunshots saw the car screeching away and he's like this reminds me of the talkies i just saw (laughs) wow that's so late for that kid kid what are you in the 20s or the 50s Wow. <laughs> wow. He didn't say he heard gunshots for the record. He just heard and saw the car. Oh. Well. <clears throat> Talkies too, so he wouldn't have heard the gunshots either. What do you mean? Talkies had the music of the little didn't it? Or or is that yeah. No, it's a talkie. Oh. They're finally talking. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot what they called the one before it. Silent. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's thank the Lord Dyson is not an investigator. (laughs) I don't know. I picked up on that relationship real quick. (laughs) Got some real uh, relationship vibes. Oh, Lord, love a duck. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, this boy wasn't helpful. Just said, yeah, I saw the car. Everyone was like, thank you very much. That's not helpful. So they keep investigating. (laughs) Poor kid. (laughs) Fuck. The um, investigators, they're like, initially at a big loss. They're like, I don't understand. This attack seems so random because they're looking around. They don't see any signs that this had any sort of motive other than obviously just murdering Peter. There wasn't any signs of robbery. Nothing was taken. There wasn't any sort of forced entry. Also, Betty's saying, like, no, like, someone rang the doorbell and I heard talking. Mm-hmm. So they're wondering, is this some sort of, like, gang-related um, shooting? Uh, just because of the way that it was carried out, it kind of resembled a mob hit. The, like, the like laissez-faire way of just, like, going up to the door and shooting and peeling out. Yeah, just Tony sends his regards. Yes. Just, Right in the chest. So they were like, I wonder if this is like gang related or something like that. So they're they look into Peter just to be like, what kind of history did he have? But from what they could see, he only had one brush with the law in his past, and it was just a minor charge from being a bookie, and that was in 1948. So that's when he was in his mid twenties, probably being a dumb kid. And 1948, that's like almost a decade ago in the story. So 
uh, for the past year, he hadn't gotten in, in the past decade, he mm-hmm. hadn't gotten into any trouble with the law and he seemed clean. So the police ruled out the cause of his murder being related to his past crimes because he just, as far as they knew, had that one from ages ago. Yeah. So naturally, they just kind of move on. They speak with his friends, other relatives and stuff just to see if they knew anything about his past or if he had any sort of enemies. Uh, But all of them were like, no, he was a really good guy. He just lived this quiet life, did his, had his salons. He, he didn't have any enemies that we know of. So the police were just like, fuck, we have nothing. There's nothing in terms of suspects. There wasn't any evidence left at the scene. They had no motive. So they were just kind of sitting there like, what do we do? (laughs) We don't even know how to move forward with this. So for two weeks, the police and Peter's family were just left wondering what happened. Mm-hmm. And then they finally got a break in the case. All right. So it was November 16th, and Betty's friend Joan was arrested and questioned by police about Peter's murder. So Joan maintained that she had nothing to do with shooting Peter. She had been at home when he was killed And as proof, she's like, look, my car, I can prove to you that my car had been parked outside all night. Ask anybody. And so they were asking around, like, on Halloween, did you see Joan? And they're like, no, I didn't see her, but, like, her car was there. So we just assumed she was home. Mm -hmm. And they're like, damn it. Maybe she's telling the truth. Mm. Until they go and talk to one of Joan's acquaintances, uh, this lady named Margaret Barrett. And she was like, yeah, I mean, Joan's car was definitely parked in her driveway all night, but that's because she borrowed my car. <laughs> oh. So Margaret let lent her the car and told, she told police that she noticed when she got it back, Joan had driven nearly 37 miles that night, which she is- She counted it? I totally would do that as well. <laughs> I would be like, well, where were you? I think that, I think I wouldn't, but that's only because I've got so many- fucking miles on my car anyway <laughs> i'd be like whatever well for us as a just so you know it's almost 60 kilometers 37 mm-hmm. miles which is like that's pretty far that would yeah. be like going to the very like north of cambridge and back mm. and <laughs> it's just fine she's like i did notice she drove nearly 37 kilometers miles is there anything you could do with that, officer? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, they, they did took it. They took it back to Joan and they're like, hey, your friend Margaret said you drove nearly 37 miles in her car when you said that you were at home. Just because your car was in your driveway, you weren't home, Joan. And she was like, oh, fine, I did. Yes, I borrowed Margaret's car. But I just went for a short drive to pick up groceries. But 60 kilometers isn't really a short drive to get groceries. Yeah, no, that's quite a lengthy distance. I drove to every grocer in LA to get my groceries. I have to have fresh apricots. <laughs> Joan would eat apricots. <laughs> so she's like, fine, I went and got groceries, but I did not pull the trigger. I would not shoot Peter. I did not pull the trigger. And she just repeated that over and over again. Mm. So the police weren't getting anywhere with her. They had nothing solid from her because she just kept denying everything or wouldn't talk uh Mm -hmm. they knew that obviously she's prone to lying because she's like literally was like i didn't ever even left home i was home all night she's prone to lying because of the lying (laughs) (laughs) that's that's it that's right so yeah they're like 
well, we have to release her. We can't keep her. We have no grounds to do so. So then again, they're at a loss. They're like, this didn't really yield anything. We have no more clues. Clues. I'll tell you what. Police are slewing, all (laughs) looking for clues. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just having mouth troubles. I don't know. I think think it's Ah. because we both just had... A very large turkey dinner. Uh, so, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. This comes out on Thanksgiving if you're Canadian. Mm-hmm. So happy Thanksgiving, Canadians. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had a giant meal. Yeah, we're turkey drunk. I'm, I'm so full. Probably already had to pause a million times because I'm burping. Yeah. And you're burping too. Yeah, I, I I had such a gross burp, I had to rinse my mouth out. <laughs> 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 Wanted to share that with you. Yeah, I never heard seen anything like it. It took you a minute too. You kind of had to like rein yourself in. Like, what just happened? I saw this look in your eye, like you weren't sure where you were. Yeah. You're like, I gotta go rinse my mouth out. So <laughs> I think that you just threw up, and it's okay. Mm-mm. The best of us have barf burps. It wasn't. It wasn't. Ew! Just stanky air. Yeah, it was just really gross. Oh fuck me. Okay, I'm gonna say this again. <laughs> Over the next month, they investigated every angle. They were looking for any clues. And then they finally got one. And it was when an anonymous tip led the cops to a rented locker in a department store. Oh. So they're like, oh, let's go check out this clue. They would talk like that, right? Oh. Yeah, they, say, well, they all talk like that. They're going to check out the clue. So they're like, let's open this locker. Okay, I'm stuck. so bad. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> you got moxie, rookie. Meet me in the locker room. Oh, <laughs> it's upsetting. Well, they didn't have HR back then. <laughs> Dude, I don't think we really have HR now. No, not really. <laughs> so inside of this department store locker, there was a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. And ballistics testing confirmed that it was the murder weapon. Mm. So also, that'll that's never... be done, yeah, anonymous tip. Yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll never not sound cool ballistics testing i love it yeah ballistics sounds fucking sick where do you work i work at the ballistics testing facility what's ballistics oh you know we just study projectiles projectiles hitting things the way they fly through the air aerodynamic kissing them in the locker room (laughs) they're like what's the last thing you said there what was that last part projectiles oh So, thanks to ballistics, investigators knew that they had the gun that killed Peter. So, obviously, the next step is to figure out who the gun belonged to. Mm -hmm. So, they began combing through sales records at local gun shops, and bingo. The owner of the 38 caliber revolver was a 43-year-old woman named Goldine Pizer. Yahtzee. (laughs) (laughs) I love the name Goldine. Goldine. It's so vintage. Yeah, it is. Very 50s Goldine. So anyway, it's not she's not really that great, but Goldine's a cool name. Mm. So Goldine Pizer was described as a quote meek and mousy woman. <laughs> not ideal. No. And she worked at a la- as a either laboratory technician or a hospital clerk. Those are quite different. 
but they were reported both ways. So I'm not positive which one, but she definitely worked at the Los Angeles Children's Hospital. So naturally, police wanted to know why a revolver registered to her was used in a murder. So they hauled her in for questioning, and it really didn't take long for the police to break her down. She immediately started to cry and confessed to shooting Peter. And she said, quote, it's a relief to get it off my mind, end quote. But she insisted that it wasn't her fault. Yes, she shot him, but it was not her fault. Um. Someone, another woman, had cast a spell on her and she was powerlessly wrapped around her finger. Oh. Yeah? Joan? It was Joan. <laughs> Joan is this, a uh, in all the newspapers, they were describing her as this, like, Svengali-like. Svengali? Yeah. Just like, what? She just had, like, mind control over codeine. Oh, I would have went with black magic woman. Ooh. Yeah. So the police were like, damn, we knew it. We knew fucking Joan had something to do with Shit. this. So they hauled Joan back in. And <laughs> they, I never have heard of this, but they questioned the two women at the same time. So they just, like, sat them together in a room and was like... Yeah, Goldine here says that, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't whistle. <laughs> I just think that's what a detective would do. Oh, there we go. Uh, oh, you got that. That was good. <laughs> she says that uh, you have her wrapped around your finger, Svengali, and uh, yeah, it's not her fault. It's your fault. Oh. And... Uh, Joan's just sitting there, I imagine, with her arms crossed, because <coughs> Joan never said anything this whole time that the two of them were being like interrogated together. Joan mm-hmm. never said one word. She just sat there and wouldn't say anything. And then there's Goldine, who's just spilling the beans left, right, and center. Yeah. Just like, I'll tell you literally everything. And Joan is just like, nope, not. I'm not even going to utter a sound. Yep. I mean, <clears throat> that honestly sounds way smarter. Well, yeah. Just shut the fuck up. Don't be, say anything. You're already fucking dumb enough to be a heinous murderer. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like hope all the heinous murderers are just that dumb that they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna tell you everything. <laughs> but you know, if you had an attorney there, that's the first thing they'd say is like, don't fucking say anything. Yep. So Jones totally sitting there like, you fucking idiot, stop talking. And Goldie's like, there was my fault. <laughs> So a couple of these uh, beans that Goldine was spilling, uh, she told the police that her and Joan had known each other for about three years. Uh, Goldine said that Joan and Betty were once really close. They were like pretty much best friends, you know, they were bestie roomies until recently because remember Betty had stopped talking to Joan a few months back because she was like, well, I want to be with Peter. We want to fix our marriage, but he really doesn't want me to be your friend. He doesn't even want me to talk to you or about you. Mm-hmm. So once Betty wasn't around anymore, Goldine and Joan became very close. And during this time, nearly every conversation that they had, the topic was always Joan talking about Peter. She was obsessed with talking about him. And Goldine claims that she called him, quote, evil and vile, a man who was destroying all of the people around him, end quote. Okay. She was fixated on him. And, like, obviously, it seemed, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but it does seem like she's just so jealous that Mm -hmm. Betty, 
like maybe in Joan's eyes, Betty like kind of like used her for a bit to have a place to stay while she tried to work things out with Peter. And then when she does, she just drops Joan. But yep. obviously if Peter hates you this much, he was onto something because you're clearly not a very good person. <laughs> so Goldine grew to believe everything that Joan was saying about Peter and she grew to hate him just as much as Joan did, mm -hmm. uh, despite having never met him or even seen him. She legit didn't even know what he looked like. Yeah. She said, quote, although I had never seen him, I built up an intense hatred for him. So likely because, you know, Joan's over here, won't stop talking about this person, calling them evil and vile and only saying negative things and repeatedly saying that Peter deserved to die and he was just this horrible man. And then Goldine told the police, quote, she, as in Joan, mm -hmm. said he mistreated his wife and that he was dealing in narcotics. She told me that he was always bothering her at home. So Joan is just telling Goldine anything that will keep ramping her up. Yeah. To be like, you, I hate this man. You have to hate this man. Don't you see how horrible he is? Yep. <clears throat> and... Yeah, just the, the insanity of it, how he, she never even met Peter. She never even met Betty either. She just knew of Betty because obviously Joan was like, we used to be friends and now her like asshole husband won't let me be friends. Mm -hmm. And remember, these are 40-year-old women. Yeah, that's insane. They're acting like, you know, your <clears throat> elementary school best friend is drifting apart from you because you went into high school and she got a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh. She's ditched us. <laughs> She's ditched us. But they're 40. Yeah. 40-year-old women. And this is how they spend their time. So by this point, Goldine was also obsessively talking about Peter. Because her only friend really is Joan. And that's like this huge thing that they've bonded over and grown close during this time when Joan is just obsessed with hating mm -hmm. Peter. Uh, and it was all any of them, the two of them would talk about. Uh, they would just ramble on about his evil nature and how cruel he was to everyone, especially to Betty and the children. So now Joan is like bringing in the stepchildren he has, being like, well, you know that if he's so awful and vile to Betty, he's hurting those children too. And by this point, Goldine was just certain that Peter was this monster that needed to be destroyed and believed mm -hmm. everything that Joan was saying. In her confession, Goldine said, quote, Joan and I discussed killing Peter many times. We were undecided whether we should use poison, a knife, or a gun. Mm. End quote. Obviously, they settled on a gun. Yep. <laughs> the uh, 38... So we can get the ballistics involved. Ballistics. <laughs> 38 caliber Smith & Wesson. Yeah. Um, so first... Goldine went with uh, a male friend of hers. So, oops, I spoke too soon. She had a male friend. <laughs> 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 and they picked out the revolver from a gun shop in Pasadena. And, you know, just like giving the dealer there just story about how like, well, you know, like I'm a woman and I just need this for home protection. It would make me feel so much safer. Anyways, what one can blow <laughs> a bowling ball sized hole in a man? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't know if it was bowling ball size, no. but definitely did the damage she wanted it to. <clears throat> so yeah, they pick out the gun. They're like, I want that one. Uh, but she doesn't buy it right then and there. She just is like, can you hold that for me? We'll be back. So she goes back for the gun three days later, but she doesn't go with that male friend. She goes with Joan. Mm -hmm. And 
Joan actually technically pays for it. She gives Goldine the money, mm-hmm. but Goldine buys it, registers it in her name, and only buys two bullets, which is weird. Like, I I don't yeah. know anything. I don't know shit about guns. I've never even held a gun. Like, I don't know anything about them. But I always pictured like you buy a box you of do. bullets. It, you do. But Buying she, two is very concerning. Yeah. <laughs> but she just bought two. All right. Um, so the she's got this gun in her possession now. Joan's like, you keep it. You'll we'll need you'll need to keep it for the plan. And so they have the gun, they gotta start actually planning the murder. So remember that Goldine had admitted to the police that at this point she didn't even know Peter. She didn't know what he looked like. She never met him. She never even met Betty. So Goldine is like, well, obviously, I'm sorry, Joan is like, well, if you are going to carry out this plan, you have to know what Peter looks like. You have to know who this monster is. Mm -hmm. So Joan actually drives Goldine to one of the beauty shops that Peter works at and owns. Mm -hmm. So a few times she takes, she takes Goldine here in October. Uh, so a couple weeks before the murder so that she would actually like know what her target looked like mm-hmm. which is so creepy yeah they were stalking him first to get a profile really they were stalking him and Joan and I would imagine it's just so creepy imagining it all because at this point obviously their hatred is so her hatred is so strong for Peter because she wasn't allowed to be friends with Betty anymore Peter never even wanted to hear her name so she is just like sneaking around, watching him, and he's just like going about his life. Has no idea this fucking psycho yep. is is staking him out so that her essentially hit woman can know what he looks like. It's so creepy. Yeah. So somewhere along their planning, Joan decided that Halloween night would be the best time to commit the murder because everyone would be in costume. So when they disguise themselves, it wouldn't like look weird people wouldn't be like what the hell is that yeah it's halloween yeah. night so if you see these two people like essentially dressed up disguising themselves you just are like they're in costume it's halloween mm-hmm. so while peter mm-hmm. and betty they're like getting on with their life joan obviously was not able to move on she just was so jaded felt disrespected or whatever the fuck she was feeling she was obsessed with peter she's obsessed with betty and she was fixated on the fact that she was cut out of her life and to Joan, it felt like Betty chose Peter over her. So she was just pissed about it and she wanted revenge. 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 I'm pissed about this. I'm pissed about this and I want revenge. <laughs> so she had Goldine carry out the dirty work for her on that fateful Halloween night. So on the night of the murder, Joan showed up at Goldine's house in the car that she borrowed from Margaret. Um, you know, just going to get groceries. Yeah, yeah, 60, 60 miles for uh, groceries. 60 kilometers, 37 miles. Oh, yeah, sorry, 60 kilometers for groceries. So uh, she shows up. She's got this bag, and inside of the bag, it contained Goldine's, you know, disguise. So the disguise was a pair of jeans, <laughs> khaki, that's it. <laughs> pair of jeans. A khaki jacket, a hat, red gloves, a domino mask, and dark face paint to conceal the rest of her face. A a domino mask? Yeah, like one of those typical black, like, eye masks. Oh, okay. Like, stereotypical, like you're a bandit or something. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah, Domino Mask. Oh. So. God, the... that must have made the cops real nostalgic when they started chasing her, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Playing cops and robbers. Yeah. So the revolver would be <laughs> hidden in a paper bag so that it would look like she was just trick-or-treating. And the two women drove to the Fabiano home, and they arrived around 9 p.m., but it's Halloween, so 9 p.m. was still kind of early. There's, you know, people out still. Like, 9 p.m. has already been dark for a while, so there was just a few, like, people left in the neighborhood trick-or-treating and whatever, but they were like, we'll just park outside the house. We're going to go over our plan a couple times, so they're kind of just rehearsing what Goldina's going to do. And then they waited for about two hours, again, just to make sure that the streets were fairly clear. And they were going to wait until they saw all of the lights go out in the Fabiano house. Mm -hmm. So between 11 and 11.30, the lights went out. Goldine put on her mask and she walked to the front door and rang the doorbell. They're taking a while to come to the door. She rings the doorbell again. And that's when Peter finally answers the door. Yes, isn't it kind of late for this sort of thing? Mm -hmm. And Goldine said that she was trembling so hard that she could barely hold the gun. Quote, I had to use my left hand to hold my right hand in order to pull the trigger. And ultimately her shakiness didn't matter because she got a hold of that gun and pulled the trigger without it ever even leaving the paper bag. She shot through the paper bag and she hit Peter directly in the chest. Oh. And he fell to the ground with that thump. Mortally wounded that brought Betty down. That sucks so hard because he didn't even see the gun. Mm -mm. Yeah, she just looked like the worst costume ever of like an annoying person that came to trick or treat after eleven. Yeah, and so Goldine she runs back to the car. She jumps in. Joan's waiting for her to peel out, and Joan kissed her and just said thank you. Oh my god! So they drove back to Margaret's house in Hollywood to drop off the car, and they left the khaki jacket in the back. Mm -hmm. I, I believe by accident. I'm not really sure because uh, they planned on going separate ways. They parked the car, gave it back, left on foot. Joan looked at Goldine and said, forget you ever saw me and just walked away. She's just trying to be dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> and then Goldine cut up the rest of the costume and burned all of the pieces the following night. So I would imagine she planned on doing that with the khaki jacket. They just in all of the maybe chaos left it yeah but obviously that fared well for the cops yep who were like yeah you're telling us that was part of the disguise margaret said you guys borrowed the car this jacket was in there mm -hmm. just more cooperation yep so um yeah she burns the costume the following night and then she stowed the gun in that department store locker where it stayed until the police found it a month later and one of the two bullets was still inside <laughs> to Goldine's loose lips, police had enough to lay charges and both women were charged with first degree murder. Joan pleaded not guilty. It's probably the only thing she said. <laughs> not guilty. And Goldine pleaded insanity. Just didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't pull. And that, oh, that, like when she was getting interrogated that first time and she just kept saying like, I didn't pull the trigger. I didn't pull the trigger. It's like, you didn't. 
true. I mean, she's but... <laughs> trying to play some gotcha game where it's like, mm-hmm. technically. <laughs> so yeah, Golding pleads insanity. And she stated to one of the psychiatrists that were evaluating her case. <laughs> what? No, I just, sorry, it took me a second to process. She pleaded insanity. Yeah, Goldine did. Uh, I'm insane. <laughs> She tells uh, one of the psychiatrists evaluating the case, quote, I had no motive personally. Whatever motive I had was to please Joan. I was always easily influenced. I have been impressionable and always trusting. She was described as, quote, a meek and mousy woman. (laughs) She's she's making herself sound so pathetic. Yeah. Well, she is, but. I know. Yeah. The psychiatrist later wrote, quote, the only thought she had was that she had saved her friend, Joan, from an evil person, end quote. Which is partly true, I'm sure, because Joan is the one who's saying, like, oh, he's been bothering me at home. Whereas that's obviously not true. Peter did not want anything to do with Joan. He wasn't bothering her at home. She's the one that's bothering him. Fucking taking Golding out to his Mm -hmm. beauty shops to creep on him to show what he looks like. Yep. Talking about how he's evil and vile when it's like, Joan, look in the mirror. Look yeah. at what you're doing. Honestly. Have some no. self-awareness. You're 40. Yeah, I was going to say no self-awareness whatsoever. On March 11th, 1958, just before the trials were to start, they ended up cutting a plea deal for second degree murder. And this plea deal sparked a public outcry. People were saying that the justice system was being too soft on these women who were murderers Mm -hmm. and it was exactly that they're saying you're being too soft because they're women and that's always been a a big debate Mm -hmm. and you know when you talk about especially murder charges but really any criminal charges women always do seem to have like a softer sentence Mm. so i read that this case is often used as an example for that women getting um, softer sentences oh. for even murder. Cause they just cut a deal for second degree, which is insane because this has obviously been planned. Meek sentence for a meek and mousy girl. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think they were sentenced for pleading guilty to second degree murder? What do you think they got? Well, they're good girls. You know, they just got straight down a wrong path. You know, they'll make good wives later, probably three months. <laughs> three months. <laughs> it was four. Oh no uh they were sentenced to five years what to life in prison okay well i was underselling it as a joke but five, five years, years is also a joke five years to life five years that's <laughs> five, fucked up five years to life they but did like not five years though <laughs> served life they did not um goldine was released from prison sometime in the 60s so like maybe she served 10 years but i doubt it yeah and by 1971, she was apparently an officer in the Miracle Mile chapter of the Professional Women's Club. So she just got to go on with her life. An officer in the what? Miracle Mile chapter of the Professional Women's Club. It sounds like a cult. It kind of does, doesn't it? It's yeah, the a Miracle Mile for you. Isn't yeah, it? it's the yeah. Miracle Mile. Yeah. I didn't actually look into any, what the fuck that was because I was like, well, Goldine worked there. so. <laughs> yeah, how good could it be? <laughs> And then, according to California Death Records, she died in, in Los Angeles County in 1998. Sorry, I heard California Death Records, and I was like, yo. Death Records, not Death Row Records. 
<laughs> death like she straight up died and yeah. uh she was 83 in 1998 when she died and as for joan i got no idea what happened to her um she obviously was released from prison and some people speculate that she changed her name after being released and just started over somewhere else and that's why there's no one can track where, where she went and um all i know about betty is that it appears that she never remarried after peter was murdered she um remained a widow and she died in 1999 so oh. but it was a pretty good well, that's pretty that's a pretty fucking long time actually isn't it yeah she would have if um Goldeen died in at 83 in 98 and she was 43 at the time that this happened. Mm -hmm. Betty was 39 at the time this happened and died in 99. So she would have been 79. That's pretty good. Depending on uh when her birthday was. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, <clears throat> I mean that's pretty much the case here of the trick or treat murder. Oh god. Um I'm, it leaves me with like still like some questions you know like why did they do it for real though like what was the motive like yeah is it actually just because she, joan felt like a scorned friend essentially and was just so jealous yeah it does feel like there's something else doesn't there yeah a lot of people um you said <laughs> whatever you said about you know people would say lesbian especially in the 50s yeah also, it's important to remember that in California at this time, it was illegal for any same-sex activities, let alone like a relationship. Yeah. So you couldn't even say you were a lesbian or openly be one because mm -hmm. it's illegal, which is insane. But uh, newspapers obviously picking up the story would lean that way, but would say stuff like their abnormal relationship or you know other offensive things uh -huh. <laughs> talking about how maybe joan and goldine were actually lovers yep and or at least girlfriends even if joan was using goldine which she clearly was um goldine's still the fucking idiot that pulled the trigger yeah got involved with joan mm -hmm. but people wonder if it went deeper than that. Obviously, it seems like Joan and Goldine had some sort of love affair. But when Betty lived with Joan, did she like experiment? Mm -hmm. And that's why Joan was extra pissed off because that's she, what I'm picking up. She thought that it was more than uh, just essentially being a roommate for a bit. And then she cuts everything off with Joan, goes back to her husband. And it kind of makes sense for how Peter was like, you're not allowed to talk to her, about her, see her, nothing. Because they were technically still married and she could have been having this, like, affair. Which, mm -hmm. it's a 50s affairs already are like, oh! Yeah. Let alone if it was same sex. Yeah. So, I don't know if that makes sense to people. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. That could totally be a, a something that happened, like. Obviously, we don't know, but, like, that's the whole vibe I was getting all along was... Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the, there was a strong relationship at some point first, so... And then everything gets complicated because it is illegal to be a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And some people think maybe that's why they took a plea deal. 
so that if they so they didn't have to go to trial and if they went to trial then um it they would could be even further criminalized for being lesbians and they'd have to sit there and talk about their same-sex engagements relationships yeah um motives behind what the crime really is obviously you can say jealousy just because that was my friend and now she isn't mm-hmm. but if you get like someone who's real hard hitting they could try and really press for that like no it's because you're a lesbian isn't it and in 1958 when the trial was supposed to happen that's like a nightmare to some people yeah um yeah uh, one thing i w- was wondering the whole time i was researching this and i didn't come across anyone else like speculating on it or what but i always was so curious about the anonymous tip for the gun it was an anonymous tip that someone called in and said hey there's uh, like this person goldine has a department locker with a gun in it like department store locker mm. i was wondering where that anonymous tip came from yeah maybe the same person that lent her car margaret <laughs> yeah margaret was joan's friend yeah joan got the car yeah. goldine is just a sucker who got stuck with the gun <laughs> she which is another part of the manipulation there, making like technically Joan paying for the gun, but making Goldine sign for it, register it in her name, keep it essentially, and pull the trigger, and pull the trigger. Yep. And I also have seen some people speculating on if Betty was involved, mm-hmm. um, because Peter like. However, the exchange went down, the two of them in their room, it was Peter that went to answer the door. Like, they were so certain that it would be Peter that answers the door. It wasn't Betty. Her daughter was home at the time. She didn't answer. Yep. It was Peter that went to the door. Yeah. And, like, what if it wasn't, though? Like, what if Judy had been downstairs, like, fucking eating a late night snack, Mm -hmm. watching a scary movie on Halloween or something and answered the door? Like, what would goldine have done like run away do it on another day yeah like they were just so certain it would be peter that answers the door yeah that is that is strange i don't like obviously i'm not saying betty was involved no idea it doesn't seem like it was she never remarried but maybe she didn't remarry because she was a lesbian yeah no i think i think that was probably that's in my head i was just thinking like no she's probably gay and didn't remarry yeah, it's just so many questions. Mm-hmm. Again, no, Betty was never connected with anything, never charged with anything. Um, I would also think that Goldine in the interrogation room spilling all the beans, she never mentioned Betty's name and she never even met Betty. So maybe that doesn't make sense that Betty was involved. But it was just so like really just fateful. Yeah. Peter is the one that answers the door. Yeah, maybe they were watching him so much that they kind of recognized he, he does that. That's true. All we know, uh, like the account of all we know is that Joan drove Goldine to the beauty shops to see what he looks like looked like, but they could have been stalking him and the, all over. The other thing too is like if you knock on a door like nineteen fifties, right? So like if you knock on the door and it's late at night and it's odd, like it's the guy that has to go answer that door. Uh, yeah, that's so true. So. <laughs> yeah. It's just like so unfortunate how well their fucking plan worked out. 
Yeah, because it really wasn't that well thought out. And if Golding didn't spill the beans, they, Joan at least, likely wouldn't have really faced anything because she didn't talk ever. Fucking Goldine's beans, man. <laughs> the guns registered to her and they proved it was the we- murder weapon. So they would have been like, well, we have that on you. So either way, you're getting charged. Yeah. But if she was as stoic as Joan, then Joan probably could have gotten away with it. But mm. I'm happy these two idiots went down for it. Not happy that five years to life. Yeah. That's the sentence. Second degree murder when it's clearly planned. She's telling you we stalked him. We talked about him. We got a gun. We talked about if we should shoot him, stab him, or poison him. And you're like second degree. <laughs> like it's insanity. Yeah, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. There's no justice in that. I mean, I don't think I have anything else to speculate on. The thing that I always wonder is like, who's the anonymous tip? But I guess it could be anything. Really could. Maybe someone um, saw it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you see that, you see someone putting a fucking gun in the locker. It was in there for a month, though. Yeah, like, maybe it was maintenance crew or something. Yeah, someone and they was were like, just like, I don't know, I was cleaning fuck? it out, or I was seeing if there were, it was, it's been a month, I was seeing if someone was still keeping stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And there was, but it was a fucking gun, or like, yeah, maybe Goldine regularly used this locker and opened it up, and someone was like, I think I saw a gun in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you never know. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, do you like that one? What did you think? I liked it. Oh, trick-or-treat murder on Halloween. <laughs> trick-or-treat murder. I was expecting so sort of like, you know, sadistic, like, trick-or-treat, like, you know, like the usual ones where it's, like, maniacal or something. But no, it was just straight up knocks on the door and blows the guy away. Yeah, I don't know Fuck. If, I, if I said it, but that's what the newspapers called it. Because um, you go back in time when this would have happened it did take them a month at least to find a a gun woman because they thought they were looking for a gunman yeah and so obviously the whole time excuse me in this month that people are reporting on it they did something you know punchy or catchy or whatever so Mm -hmm. they're calling it the trick-or-treat murder yeah because that's what it's referred to as to this day 1950s uh true crime case love i wanted to end on this note um, I found a list of popular candy from the 1950s. Ooh. So if kids were out trick-or-treating, what they would have been getting. Mm, what were they getting? Wait, well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Is there any candy cigarettes in that? Um, yes. Oh, dope. Okay. They are bubblegum cigarettes. Mm. Mm-hmm. What else do you think would have been in the 50s? Um, I don't know. Okay, so... Funny you said the bubblegum cigarettes because I just saw a picture online of like vintage ads and one of them was for these bubblegum cigarettes and it came with a toy lighter oh. and it and it was st- straight up branded with like cigarette stuff. Like get your like like Marlboro and camel. Shit. Yeah, and it was and it said be just like daddy. Oh my yeah, it was. In, I was like, whoa, and I think that ad might have been from the fifties, probably. But I saw it like a uh, two weeks ago, I think. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I never even knew there was bubblegum cigarettes. I know of like those, whatever they, Popeyes. Oh, the Popeyes ones. And apparently like, because I was reading the comments because I was like, dude, this is wild. And apparently like the, it was bubblegum, but if you blew into this, into it, it had powdered sugar to look like smoke. (laughs) And someone mentioned that and they were like, one, I still buy these. You can still get these. Really? And Uh. two, 
I had no fucking idea that was what it was for. <laughs> True. Yeah, because they had no clue. They just ate it. I would just eat it too. <coughs> that's so funny. I never. Yeah, that's funny that you saw that ad, uh, like mm-hmm. a vintage ad, because I never even heard of bubblegum cigarettes. Just those Popeye ones. Mm-hmm. What else do you think was a fifties candy? Candy corn. I didn't see that. No. No. Not uh, a popular nineteen. Candy corn's not even popular today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, Tootsie rolls. Um. No. Oh, really? I, they look old. I think they are, but it wasn't like, you know, a big popular thing in the 50s, Okay, all right. Let me try again. M&M slash Smarties. M&M. Peanut M&M's. Knew it because of the war. What about the war? Because they wanted to get chocolate to the front, but they had a really hard time because it kept melting or getting in the oh. rain. So they covered it with shit, with hard candy. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so smart. Yeah. Sorry, it just reminds me of Tommy Boy. The, all of the peanut or the, all of the M&Ms fall inside of Richard's dashboard. And Richard's <laughs> like David Spade is like, oh, that sounds good. Melted chocolate inside the dash. That really ups the resale value. <laughs> Tommy's like, I think they'll be okay. They got a thin candy shell. <laughs> Surprised you didn't know that. <laughs> David Spade's like, your, your head has a thick candy shell. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, stop me, stop me, because I'll I could quote Tommy Boy back to front. Yeah, I know. Okay, um, any other guesses? Or you want me to just tell you? Okay, one more. Okay. Um, Tootsie Pops. No. Fuck. Okay. All right. Save me for myself. What do we got? Okay, Atomic Fireball. That sounds dope. Actually, what is that? Uh, like you know, hot tamales. Which was yeah. another popular one. So like the like almost spicy cinnamon. Yep. It was like that, like a ball. A candy oh. ball. So yeah, atomic fireball and hot tamales. Um candy necklaces were introduced. Oh, those are those are still the best. I would get one to this day. Yeah. Pink candy corn. Uh sorry, candy popcorn. So it's like caramel corn, but it was dyed pink and it was advertised with like this big pink elephant. Oh, okay. Um I do not like car- uh, caramel popcorn. Caramel. No, caramel. Car- caramel. <laughs> like you didn't pronounce any of that right. <laughs> caramel. Okay, charms candy sour balls. Okay. Uh, Mamba magic sticks candies, which I love. I've never heard Mamba. of that. I haven't had the magic stick candy, but you can get them. They look. They come in like a sleeve like Starburst does. Mm-hmm. And they're like the same type of deal, like those candy squares. Okay. But it's like they're not as like punchy as Starburst. And there's like an orange, strawberry, and lemon, I think. Okay. Um I get them at the dollar store. Oh. I've yeah. never even heard of them. They're around in the fifties. Wow. Pez candy dispensers. Classic. Dum dums lollipops. <laughs> I think they're kind of <laughs> like Tootsie Pops, but they're called Dum Dums. Okay. Satellite wafers. Oh. Uh, in the article I found this in, it literally said, imagine, um, oh, fuck, wafers, like communion, communion wafers. Okay. <laughs> but a candy. <laughs> wow, what a selling point. <laughs> uh, pixie sticks. Oh, dope. And then my least favorite thing in the entire world wax bottle candy 
Uh, you know what? I don't think I've ever had the wax bottle candy. It's a literally shaped like a p- glass bottle. Aren't you supposed to drink yeah, that? Yeah, you bite the wax cap off. Yeah. And you drink the, like, goo in it. Okay. It's- I Oh, I heard something about this, too. People were talking about that, too, because I remember reading something about this. For some reason, I keep landing on all the candy blogs. <laughs> candy blogs. You're supposed to chew the wax like gum. Ew, and it no. gives it the flavor, and then you spit out everything. Okay, well, I hate it all anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I thought that would be fun. Some popular 50s candies that you would have got trick-or-treating. Wow. I'm here for the peanut M&Ms, really. I'm here for the pixie sticks and the candy necklace. I love candy necklaces. Yeah, I, I'll take some bubblegum cigarettes, too. I like bubblegum. I once saw a kid just run out of the washroom with a nosebleed, and when I walked into the washroom... I was like, the fuck happened? And we were like, John made him snort pixie sticks. <gasps> and I was like, what the fuck? Oh. Kids <laughs> are fucking dumb. <laughs> what do you in the boys? Me mean the boys washroom. We're snorting pixie sticks at second break. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Okay, so uh, I guess before I give them a little sign-off spiel, I'll just say happy Thanksgiving <coughs> again, Canadians, or like whatever you celebrate. Some people do Friendsgiving. They don't really necessarily celebrate with their family, or maybe you're someone who'd rather just hang out at home and eat with your cat. I don't know. Drink some wine alone. Yeah. Wh- whatever you do, whoever you are, maybe if you don't even celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you still enjoy your long weekend, or I guess mm-hmm. you enjoyed your long weekend. And you are with anyone or anything that you love. Yeah. And uh, you can go and follow us on Instagram while you're at it. You know, <laughs> while you're at your enjoyment of your long weekend. While you're loving this episode. Yeah. <laughs> share some love with us. And we got uh, pictures related to the case on our Instagram, Dark Adaptation Podcast. We got all of our sources listed on our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. And while you're there, you can buy a beautiful embroidered patch for the low, low price of $14 plus free shipping. And I'll even write you a lovely handwritten note that expresses my love and thanks to you. Mm-hmm. That was creepier than I wanted it to be. A little bit. So creepy. Okay, well, you can have a creepy note from me, huh? <laughs> if you haven't already, please rate the show five stars. You've made it this far. You're still with us. You like the show. Give us five stars, please. It helps us grow and also... It really makes me happy. It it makes me so, so happy. Mm-hmm. And make sure you come back next week. Very excited. Continuing spooky season with Paige. Uh, she joined us last week to tell us some scary stories. And next week she'll be joining us again for one of her classic cryptid and folklore episodes. And this one will be super exciting because no one knows what she's doing she's bringing to the table a total surprise mystery episode and i love that because i had already said it before but i'm a total control freak when it comes to this show and the episodes we do and i had asked her to do the puckwidgies and mothman um and uh, i agreed to let her come on and take over and surprise us so it's exciting so join us next week and until then We'll catch you on the dark side. Bye.
collar just puts his ass over the edge. Hey, what movies did we watch in the last two days? (laughs) Shits right into the pool that you obviously know is for shit. You mean the one where you were just... no purpose. Right before, you're like, wouldn't it be funny if they were just showed one of them leaning over and taking a crap? (laughs) And then it did, and I... I laughed for like 10 minutes. Of course, you were on the same wavelength as the person making this movie. Yeah, let's just fuck with the audience real quick and have this crawler to gnarly dump right off the edge. (laughs) 